Our gospel reading this morning is the story of the resurrection of Jesus according to the writer of John. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, followed him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white standing where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she said this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't yet know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you might have laid him. And I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them all that she had seen and the things said to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, um, Easter we often think of as a season of new life. It's spring, of course, so we look outside and we see eggs in nests and we see buds on trees and little yellow and purple crocuses coming out of the dirt, which are always my favorite to see. In the stores, as you go around, you sort of see these signs of Easter and spring everywhere. Things like eggs and chicks and little bunnies and things. Animals known for their sort of excessive fertility. This new life, new babies being born. Yesterday um, at Milan Coffee Works, I went in to go get a latte in the morning. And they were serving this abominable concoction that they called a peep shot, which was one of those stupid little marshmallow peeps with a shot of espresso over the top. And weirdly, the peep did not melt the way you would expect a marshmallow to melt. We have these signs all around us during Easter of new life, things being born, new things. And that's often sort of this singular message that we get about Easter, that Easter is a season of new life. That's what this holiday is all about. And new life is really wonderful. I mean, if you uh, know me, you know that in the past six years, I have popped out three tiny, perfect little human beings. So I really do love new life. I love 
the fuzzy way babies' heads feel, and I like the way they smell, and I don't even mind the diapers that much, although most of you know that John changes most of those, so it's really not that big of a deal for me. There's something really profound and beautiful about new life, about welcoming new things into the world. There's wonderful reasons that bunnies and chicks and ducklings and flowers and babies and all these things should be associated with Easter. New life itself isn't the issue that I have. The issue that I have with that association is that new life is really not what the Easter holiday is all about. Easter is not a season for bunnies and flowers and chicks and babies. We've kind of gotten that mixed up. Properly speaking, Easter isn't about new life. If we wanted a holiday for new life, we should really connect that with like Christmas or maybe Pentecost. At Christmas, Jesus is born into the world. And at Pentecost, that's the birthday of the church. Those are the days that on the Christian calendar, we celebrate new things coming into being. Something wasn't there before, and now it is. Jesus is born. The church becomes the body of Christ. But Easter, it's not the day of new life. Easter is the holiday of resurrected life. And there is a profound and important difference between new life and resurrected life. Resurrected life, of course, implies something far more complicated and difficult. Because to have resurrection, before that you have to have some kind of death, some kind of loss, some serious grief. There was something, and then it wasn't, and then it is resurrected. It is with us again. Easter doesn't start out in the labor and delivery ward or in the bulbs in our front yard. Easter starts out at the tomb. It starts out at the graveside in the middle of the cemetery. So Easter, by its very nature, it's this holiday that is rooted in this soil of grief and death and loss. And on one hand, I totally get why Target is absolutely chock full of pastel colors and chocolate eggs and little bunnies right now, because that is a thousand percent easier to sell to us than resurrected life. Like something tells me the ad copy, if it came in the mail with a picture of Lazarus coming out of the tomb after being dead for four days, wrapped up in kind of smelly linens, that just wouldn't sell us things quite as well. Or even more potent, you know, if they were to put Jesus walking out of the tomb with these red, raw wounds on his hands and his feet and in his side, like that, that doesn't really make me want to run out and get a box of chocolates. Quite the same way a nice, fluffy little duckling makes me want to. So I get that. Like, zombies, in a certain sense, aren't really de rigueur for Easter. They don't sell things quite as well. But in order to understand Easter, we really do have to take a step back. We have to be willing to face death. We have to be willing to think about loss and grief and tremendous sadness in order for the holy day of Easter to really make sense. Because only in being aware of death and of loss can we experience the real gift, the miracle, the power of resurrection, of Jesus being brought back to life, of our own loved ones and friends finding this unexpected life in the presence of God, the promise to every one of us, the promise of baptism, that while we will experience death, we will be brought into new resurrected life alongside God. Um, It always feels a bit macabre uh, when I'm doing baptisms and holding a tiny baby, so I don't talk about it too much during baptism. 
But the sacrament of baptism is, in fact, a sacrament of resurrection. One of the promises that is inherent in the process of baptism is that we promise to live like Christ, but we also know that we are going to die in a death like Christ. When we enter into the waters, one of the earliest images of baptism is entering into death. We are acknowledging our own mortality. When we have a memorial service here at the church and celebrate someone who has passed away, we put up all the white pyramids again because they remind us once again of baptism. Because in our baptism, we are welcomed into a death like Christ's so that we too might be welcomed into the resurrection alongside Christ. It's this loss which is followed by a profound and deep hope. Our hope is born of this triumph of life over death. Now, this message of Easter, this message of resurrected life, it's not a new one. It's one we hear again and again. But I think it's one that we as Christians are called to proclaim as loudly as we possibly can. Because the world wants to see Easter as new life and happy things. But I think as Christians, our job is to remind folks that Easter is a holy day of resurrection. And resurrection is something that our world is in profound, profound need of hearing. We look around and our world is just full of death and loss and grief and hopelessness. And the message of Easter that we carry to them is that those things, that death, that will not be the last word. So when I look around, when I'm reading the newspaper or just driving around in my car, wherever I might be, sometimes I sort of think and I pray in the back of my head um, for our country right now. I look around and we're sort of in the middle of this mean-spirited, hateful and dismal, rude and childish election cycle where people just spew names at each other and tell lies. It doesn't matter which political party. People are just being awful to each other right now. It's horrible to watch. And when I see that, I think that is a place where we need resurrection. Come, Lord Jesus, resurrect hope in the midst of this. Bring us love and life, compassion, and a dedication to one another. Because right now, we're pretty good at serving up hatred and death and mean-spiritedness. Or for this week, I think about the people in Belgium or in the past couple of weeks, the people in Libya and Yemen and Indonesia and Turkey and Egypt and the many other places around the world who have already experienced acts of terrorizing and horrible violence just this calendar year. And it makes me say, come, Lord Jesus, resurrect hope. Bring us life and forgiveness and love because right now we are pretty good at destruction and death and hatred. Sometimes uh, I catch myself and I look at my own heart and I think, wow, I'm pretty good at being angry and mean and cynical. I'm pretty good at lacking generosity and kindness toward other people. And I pause and I say, Lord, I need resurrection. Bring me life and love and compassion because my heart is just twisted by selfishness. For my brothers and sisters all over the world, for those of you who are sitting here today, for the people in our own community who just don't experience generosity or kindness from the other people around them, who worry that their lives or their livelihoods are in danger because of 
the color of their skin or the political party they affiliate, the person that they choose to love, the God they choose to worship, the clothes they wear, the color of their hair, whatever it might be, for those people who are experiencing a profound lack of love and compassion from the other people around them, it makes me say, Lord, we need resurrection. Come and teach us to love one another more deeply because we are just all too good at tearing one another down and hurting the people you have given us to love. We live in this world, this community. We live in a church. We live in our own families, even within our own hearts and minds. These places that just get full of death and loss, it's just one thing stacked on top of another. And so we need Easter. And we don't need the kind of Easter that gets sold to us in the polite, glossy ad copy. We need the real Easter. Not the eggs and the chicks and the flowers, although those are wonderful, and I certainly wouldn't say no to a chocolate bunny this afternoon. We need the resurrection power of Easter even more than that. This hope that life can in fact spring out of death, this hope that love is more powerful than hate, the promise that goodness will be stronger than evil, this assurance that God will always have the last word and that the last word for us will be yes. The word will be yes. Yes to life and to love. Yes to grace. Yes to compassion. Yes to kindness and to humility and gentleness and to friendship and to redemption. And yes to resurrection. That yes will be God's final word to us no matter how many no's we hear along the way. That our God has the power to have that final lasting word. Yes. So thanks be to God. Amen and amen.